Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and work, today we're talking about your workplace. Is it a ministry or is it a mission field? And we've got a throwdown between myself and Brian Salee, CEO of Rivoria. Nope, Riviora. I did it wrong. I even practiced. Sorry, Reviora. Is that correct? That's correct. Wow. Brian was also a missionary kid, and so he's got a unique perspective on mission work, and so I brought him in the studio today because we had an argument over breakfast to figure we could argue online. It wasn't really a throwdown argument. No fists, no blood, but just a conversation. But we're having a conversation with Brian Salee today, but before we do, a little verse of scripture from Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. Isaiah speaking, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. We can only hope for that day someday very, very soon. Brian Slee, welcome to the I Work For Him radio program. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to disagree with you. (laughs) Brian and I go to a small group together at First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks, and uh, we are not always on opposite sides, but we have many times been on opposite sides of the uh, conversation. I love that because I don't know everything. 
I know some people will go, really? Yes, all my friends who know me know that I make mistakes all the time. But I, so I thought in our perspective when I said, you know, Brian, I like to talk to people about our workplace being our mission field. And you go, I don't think it's a mission field. I think it's as, as much as it is a ministry. And I said, really? Well, I disagree. I said, let's talk about that on the radio. So that's why you're here. But before we get into the conversation, can you just talk about how Christ is making an impact in your life today? Absolutely. Great question. I think uh, now I'm learning a lot about patience and balancing uh, wisdom with uh, waiting. It's a very uh, constant balance of letting God work, but also not standing by and idle and doing nothing at all. But you just had a baby, Caleb, a couple of weeks ago. How come you're learning patience already? He can't possibly be stretching you already. (laughs) Well, I'm learning a lot about uh, napping and not during the day. Napping at night, that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, napping at night. That's the first six to eight weeks. It gets better. They sleep, and then when they're teenagers, they sleep forever, but never when you want them to. Right, right. That's what I hear. From midnight. That's okay. You got a lot of years to get adjusted to that. Hey, you're a CEO, an owner of a couple of different businesses. You got Reviora and Mango. Reviora, you founded back in 2000. What is that business all about? I did. Reviora is a cloud computing company, and basically we run Microsoft accounting software in our data centers for clients. Microsoft accounting data software? Accounting yes, software. What is that? Well, once you outgrow QuickBooks, you got to have something a little bit more robust, and so it's Microsoft to the rescue. Yeah, but what is the program called? Dynamics. So oh, there's Microsoft a Dynamics. couple of flavors of Microsoft Dynamics. Huh. But you've been doing that since 2000. I mean, cloud computing, that's what I have written down. Is that too long ago? It was a little bit too long ago. So I actually started in 2007. We've oh, been doing seven. About I just missed a seven there, seven years. I'm thinking, yeah, but even 2007, cloud computing was still pretty cutting edge. It was. I was still in college in 2000, though, so a little bit, of, a little bit ahead. Well, that's okay. But in 2007, I mean, people, people didn't really even know what the cloud w- was. They didn't. When we launched, I actually made up the term hosted data because there wasn't the word cloud. And now it's kind of a dumb term because everybody knows the word cloud. But two or three years into the company, we actually changed our marketing to use the word cloud because... Microsoft and Google invented it. Right. Yeah, they invented (laughs) it. Yeah, just like Al Gore invented the internet, they invented cloud computing. Yeah, and really because cloud computing has existed forever in data centers around the country. I mean, I I worked in a data center environment back in the 80s. People just didn't call it cloud computing. Well, virtualization's been around for 20, 30 years. Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy stuff. All right, but what's Mango all about? So Mango is a uh, smartphone app, uh, themangoapp.com, and it's uh, local coupons and deals. Uh, It's a marketing platform for retail. Retail businesses. So that's a totally different avenue. Totally different. Totally different. And and how that you just launched a couple of years ago. How's that going? It's going great. Uh, I mean, it certainly has its own challenges. It's it's hard to uh, to start a company that's never been started before. But we think we've found a blue ocean where we don't really have any direct competitors, and so we're kind of redefining a new market of of marketing analytics. Wow, sweet. That sounds way over my head. Okay, but I'm good with that. So Mango, they can find out more about Mango on Mango.com. What do you got? TheMangoApp.com. TheMangoApp.com. I'll make sure I put that on uh, Facebook tonight. TheMangoApp.com. Terrific. Available Android and iPhone. But what about those poor people that are working with Windows phones? <laughs> not me. Not me. I've got an Apple. Well, those are the employees at Microsoft that have the Windows phone. <laughs> That's the only people left anymore? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. But who's going to win? Google or, or Microsoft? Google or Microsoft? Who's going to win? On what field? Uh, the field of hmm, world domination. World domination. I think Google's ahead. Although the EU has given uh, them a run for their money. The EU is? They're shutting them down. We're trying to shut them down in Europe. Really? Too much flexibility. Breaking but, news. But what about the Android operating system coming out on PCs that's rumored to come out this next year? Who do you think is going to win? Do you think Google has the power to take over Microsoft? 
They certainly won't from a, uh, a business perspective with revenue, but uh, Google has a very unique model with uh, search. And so uh, they're in some ways, they don't even compete with Microsoft. And Microsoft is trying to reinvent itself. They can only hope they can. They're trying. <laughs> well, their strategy now is cloud first, mobile first, which by definition is ironic because they haven't picked one. Yeah, they need... That's <laughs> that seems like the Microsoft way. I heard Microsoft CEO speak a couple weeks ago, and, and that was his uh, take-home point from the keynote. Was cloud first? Mobile first. Mobile first, but... Yeah, okay, that makes sense. All right, so let's talk a little bit about your history. You grew up on the mission field. Where was that, and what was that experience like? Well, I was born and raised in Haiti. Lived there for almost nine years, eight, nine years. So born and raised on a tropical Caribbean island, which is kind of cool to say, if you say it like that. And then we Until you say it was Haiti, and then people know better. Right. <laughs> then we moved to Russia. I was in Russia for four years. So I moved from a climate where it never got w- colder than 60 degrees to a climate where it never got warmer than 60 degrees. So you went, to, you went fairly north into Russia then? We did. We did. On Siberia. Really? One hour of uh, of light sometimes in the day. Nice. But you could ice skate to work if you wanted to. We did. We actually, we had these little plastic ice skates that we'd strap on our feet. And uh, my parents would walk. And, and my sister and I, we would literally skate on the sidewalks. It's awesome. It was, we can only do that in Minnesota a couple days a year, but it was still fun. The best is when you can spit and it turns to ice before it hits the sidewalk. That is cool. You really saw that? Well, well maybe yeah, only once. Come on. I'm thinking <laughs> it would have to be better than 40 below zero for that to happen. It gets pretty cold. It gets yeah. pretty cold there. Well, I know it gets cold there. So you, you were like wearing full animals on top of you when it gets that cold. Though. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I remember the, the good experiences. Both Haiti and Russia are very hard places to live. But as a kid, I remember the good experiences. I remember the fun. And I certainly remember seeing God at work firsthand. And that was really cool growing up in that environment. So talk about how God was working in Haiti. What were your folks doing there? Church planning. Uh, first, uh, right on the front lines with the uh, the Haitians. My my dad uh, has a theology degree, and he was working with the, the Haitian pastors, teaching them theology, helping grow churches. And that was, uh, it, well, I was pretty revolutionary even when you were a kid. That a lot of times, the white guy kept going in and starting churches, and they were perpetuated by the white guy instead of actually equipping local pastors. So your dad was actually equipping local pastors. Yes. To and perpetuate that's one of the reasons way. we left, quite frankly, because, because of exactly what you just mentioned. So... Well, but it was perfect. If you, is it still perpetuated to today? Do you have any idea? Unfortunately, probably not as, as good as we like it to be. Well, I mean, Haiti's a rough country. It is. I mean, it's run by some crooked people. It is. It's a it's a it's quite the drug stop in the Caribbean. And unfortunately, so much aid has gone in. I think $8.6 billion was invested in Haiti before the earthquake. And uh, poverty and liter- literature and everything fell 25%. So... You talk about when the book when helping hurts. It's uh, incredible. Well, it's, it is that book is so right on the money. Well, and that you can't. Most of that money went to De Gaulle built all those palaces everywhere. Wasn't that his name, De Gaulle? The guy that was in there when you were a kid, the Prime Minister of Haiti. You remember? You don't remember his name? The President of Haiti. Blanking out right at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. Uh, but the, I mean, the there was always their upper crust had all kinds of money, and then the poor people were getting nothing. They weren't getting jobs. and weren't creating infrastructure. They weren't, and and they deforested the whole place. They did. They did. Unbelievable. So what was the ministry in Russia? The ministry in Russia was the same, actually. So church planning, we went right when the Iron Curtain fell. I was going to ask so you, when the wall came down. Okay. Right when the wall came down, and uh, we were working firsthand. The, uh, Russia has 11 time zones. That's how big the country is. And they had one seminary for the entire country. Wow. So huge need. Huge, huge need. 11 time zones. You never think about Russia being that big. 
it's massive. That is massive. We did it. We did, we took the Trans Siberian Orchestra, or uh, you, the orchestra, you took the whole orchestra, the railroad. We took okay. the Trans Siberian Railroad uh, seven days, seven days by train across Russia. We actually got off early. We would have gone eight days. Really. That's really big. You know, when you play Risk and you and you and you take over uh, Irkutsk and you're going all the way over, to, you never play Risk, have you? I have. I have love Risk. Yeah, I lost this weekend to my nephews and my son. It was terrible. But okay, so you take that mission field experience. But you guys came. Your folks came off the mission field when you were twelve. Yes, and they came back here to the states. They did. And then what did they get involved in? Well, they're still involved in missions. Uh, we had to come back for health reasons, unfortunately. Okay. But the Lord used that to direct uh, the ministry of our family, and uh, my dad became involved with a different mission group for about ten years, and then now they're with a, a, another mission group. Yet from there, so the Lord basically used some health things to uh, to change where they were located. And God will use lots of different things to kind of redirect us. Absolutely. What's He doing in your life to redirect you next? Uh, lots of things. <laughs> that's where I got to learn patience. <laughs> yeah, pa- yeah, that's right. And praying for patience is a scary thing, but you're going to have to learn it one way or the other. So might as well pray about it and just let it go. All right. So you've just had your first baby. What was the birthday? March, April 9th. April 9th. April 9th. April 9th. Okay. So did you ever have, do you have the desire to raise your child on the mission field? Well, I have a desire for him to raise him as a Christ follower. Okay. And to help fulfill the Great Commission. Okay. And, you know, missions today is different than my parents' generation. And I think that missions in his generation will be different than the, our generation today. So my goal is to raise him up to follow Christ. And uh, whether that means he goes or he sends, that's, uh, that's up to God. Well, and, and that's really what we're going to have this conversation about today is, I mean, I believe, well, we're all called to go and we're all called to send. I mean, I, I believe we're supposed to all do both. But that's the conversation is what we're doing as missions or is it doing ministry? So, all right. So talk before we get into our deep conversation, because I really want to get into this. You know, you workplace as a mission field, a workplace as a ministry. You've run your own businesses since 2007. How have you been able to incorporate your faith in what you do on a daily basis? Well, I do my best not to separate it in the first place. I think that's that's maybe the starting point is trying. It's to a great starting point. <laughs> a lot of people have to really work at that because they have been trained to separate it and they had to learn to untrain themselves. Well, at first, I think when I started, I was a little bit hesitant about how open I should be. And what I found is that even unbelievers like doing business with an ethical company. So I think over the years, I've become more bold. Uh, last year, I actually started something that I, I fell in love with uh, from a book that I can't remember the name of, but actually uh, wrote a painted portrait of what Riviera is going to be like in 2017. And it's very, very open about what that goal is and uh, put it right on our website. So if you apply to work at our company, I actually send out a link to our painted portrait so that every single vendor, customer, employee, prospect, consultant knows why we exist, what our purpose is, and uh, if they're part of our company in any way, shape, or form, ultimately they're helping us get there. So they clear, it clearly states, you're, basically that must be your mission, vision, values page. I mean, this painted portrait you're talking about? Exactly. They call that a painted portrait? That's a different... Was that the name of the book? No, it was just a, just a concept. I mean, everybody's got a different spin, but sure. I really like that one. And uh, it makes it pretty easy, especially in today's controversial society where you have to be careful what you say. I found that's a great way to just point people, hey, go to our website, go to Riviera.com, look up our vision. And if you want to be part of that company, join do you, us. Do you think Jesus would be careful what he said? No, absolutely. The, the, the word of God's offensive. <laughs> that is that is very, very true. Well, and I think that that's that's something that people really struggle with is, you know, how careful do I need to be? You know, if you do it in love, I don't think you need to be careful, because if you're doing it in love, you're naturally more careful and people know what your heart is. 
<laughs> yeah, Ivan's re- reminding me to step off carefully off my st- my soapbox. All right, that's very very good. Thank you, Ivan. You're the you're the best. I appreciate that. All right, so in your painted portrait, what does it say? Your core values are what is what is it that drives your business? Well, I didn't bring it with me, but uh, it's well, on our website. <laughs> well, but, yeah, wait a minute. But if it's from your heart, you should know. Yes, ultimately, it's it's fulfilling the Great Commission, and it, it, you've got to have a profitable com- company. You've got to have an ethical company to be able to do that, and uh, that's that's why we exist. Every every single employee and contractor we have is ultimately part of that uh, vision. Yeah, it is. And that's something that people fail to put in many, many core values, making money, being ethical. Those are good places to start. It's time for our book highlight segment brought to you as always by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Our book today is called Vanishing Grace, written by Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey's written a lot of books, cutting edge, always a little edgy books. I love this perspective because he challenged us to think deep and to get God out of the box. Let me give you a short explanation. Why does the church stir up such negative feelings? Philip Yancey has been asking this question all his life as a journalist. His perennial question is more relevant now than ever. Research shows that favorable opinions of Christianity have plummeted drastically and opinions of evangelicals have taken even deeper dives. Yet while opinions of about Christianity are dropping, interest in spirituality is rising. Why the disconnect? Why are so many asking, what's so good about the good news? In Vanishing Grace, Yancey shows the desperate need our world has for grace and how Christians can truly make the gospel good news again. This is a very good book, very challenging. I've got one copy to give away today. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929. 855-265-2929. And remember, read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Hi, we're back live and in studio with Brian Slee, local business owner, talking about the difference between ministry and a mission field. Brian, give me your definition of ministry. Well, ministry is an activity. It's a purpose. It's uh, something you do. It's an open door. It's an expression. It's uh, typically something you do with your time. Okay. Versus mission. Well, a mission, I think, has a purpose, but missions or mission field is a destination. It's a, it's a foreign place commonly used term to define some place that you are not. But where, but, but where, how all of a sudden does mission, first you said it's defined as a place, mission field is defined as a place, somewhere you go. Why all of a sudden did it have to become foreign? Well, that's a common term that uh, people have been using for, uh, for centuries to define picking up and going somewhere. Well, that's when they called it the foreign mission field, not necessarily the mission field. Okay, so we're talking about people getting up and going each and every day to their workplace. And are they doing ministry or are they doing, is it mission work? And to me, that's where the defining, that's where we have to define this argument. So why is it that you think at work it's ministry versus mission? Well, I think we can look at look at scripture. By the way, I love your website. You've got uh, Matthew 28 right on there. You know, go and make disciples of all nations. And I think that kind of answers the question for us. First of all, go. Second of all, make disciples. And third of all, of all nations, all nations being all ethnic groups. Right. And if your workplace accomplishes that, absolutely, that can be the mission field. But if it does not, then I think it's very important to understand the difference. But he also started with this Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, and all nations. I mean, what about the United States? A lot. I mean, part of the problem today is that we send a lot of missionaries overseas when our country is one of the neediest countries from a gospel standpoint 
Well, okay, that's probably not true either. But our country desperately needs the good news, and we should be sending more missionaries to places like Minnesota where everybody goes to church and nobody has any idea what the good news is. So, I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, that's a go. I mean, if you go from here to if you go from here to Minnesota, it's seventeen hundred miles. It's closer to Cuba. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you Good can point. take a boat ride to Cuba in three hours. All right, so let's let's get into this because we disagree. You you think when we say um, ministry, that's a local thing, and mission, you think of that as a going away kind of thing. That's really the way you're distinguishing it. Yes. Yet on the internet, when you look at how how people define ministry you'll find a lot of the uh the websites will go ministry is what's done within a church to church to christ followers and mission work is what's done to non-christ followers so what do you think about that well, I think people define it differently, and I think that's where the, where the argument comes from. You know, next week I've got to take my, my kid to the doctor. Does it matter which doctor? You might say it doesn't. But if I accidentally show up at the podiatrist instead of the pediatrician, uh, I'm going to be in trouble with my wife, you know? So I think <laughs> yeah. it's pretty important to understand the difference. The same thing as a business owner. I have a set of visions and goals, and there's certain ways that I'm setting out to accomplish it. So that's where I think that uh, we've got to look at the Great Commission and see what it says about it. Okay, so the Great Commission. So you... you, you you bring that up. It says, I, I can only say it in King James Version. So, you know, it says, I can't even go. The- go, therefore, yes. make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So it's one command, make disciples. Well, but then, but wait, wait, and then it says, you know, and, and it says, go out, you know, starting in Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So that's actually an Acts. That's an Acts, but that's but it's part of the, but it's part of the. I mean, it's really part of the Great Commission. It does. Okay. All right. And so I think Christ is pretty pretty serious about it, and that's I think where the disagreement comes from is that those are concentric circles. And and uh, I found a great thing online uh, for a graph, and unfortunately I can't share that on the radio. But if you can imagine, if you're listening to you know Judea being a smaller circle, Samaria being a, a bigger concentric circle, Samaria ends of the earth. That if you look at a map of Old Testament or New Testament times, that actually is uh, there, there's a difference in the geography there. Oh, oh I, and I get that. And really, what what Christ was saying is, hey, hey, this message needs to get to everybody. So spread out. Let's go. Let's exactly. get it done. Exactly. And and a lot of people. Well, it took a movement of God in order to be able to get it done because they were very comfortable in Jerusalem. They said, well, we kind of like it here. This is pretty comfortable, and we're taking over the city. And God goes, yeah, sorry, I'm about to break up this party. So he brings a little bring, – well, he brings Paul in to spread it out the game, and then – Well, he brought in uh, persecution. Yeah, so the, persecution. the church in Jerusalem was actually doing a really, really good job of staying home and doing local ministry to the body or maybe to their local area. And God actually had to send persecution to break them up. And later in Acts, you actually see Antioch become the model church and you never hear about Jerusalem again the only thing we read about Antioch is that they're going now you have to assume they were doing a good job of local ministry and local body otherwise they wouldn't have had a healthy church body to go but what we see in scripture is that they were going okay so if and we're really talking about the workplace okay so you yes. go you go to work each and every day well most days probably I most suppose. Days. well you're a business owner so you you know you play golf some days and some days you go to work Hey, and your I, wife and your wife's gone. Yeah, right. I never see him. He's always working. Sometimes I work twenty four hours a day. It's the the entrepreneur's curse. The entrepreneur. That's true. Well, yeah. And you're also an IT guy. 
exactly. IT guys don't know how to they don't know how to sleep, and their best hours are between midnight and four. Well, people say you set your own hours, and I say, well, sort of, but my clients do too. So, well, and are you working with clients? Do you have clients all over the world? We do. We do have clients all over the world, and we have a, a full time operation uh, for for our nighttime in uh, India as well. So we're so a, a truly twenty four seven company. Yeah. So you've got times where you actually, I mean, because you've got clients at different time zones, even California's obnoxious because it's three it hours it is. and right now it's not even two o'clock in, or it's not even three o'clock in the afternoon they're still going they sure are all right so let's talk about what happens in the workplace because that's really what we're talking about you've got you know it, we're trying to talk about a mindset we're talking about a shift in the paradigm because most people not all people but most people approach the workplace and and they kind of hang their faith up on the wall and then they walk into the workplace. Now, there's a lot of people that are understanding that that shift needs to happen. Pastor Jeff, our pastor, has been talking about the last four weeks. About Have you been listening to those? I have. Because you I probably have. haven't gotten to go to church in I've four weeks. I've been watching online, thanks Good. to technology. Yeah, no, that's cool. But really, that we need, that our work, who do we really work for? And that we really work for the Lord. It doesn't matter what we do, whether you're an IT guy or a radio talk show host like me or a consultant or you run a bookstore, you're an insurance agent, an attorney. Well, I'm not sure about the attorneys, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, but it doesn't really matter what you do that we can do it all for God's glory. So we go to our workplace with the right mindset. You're looking at me like, is he ever going to ask any questions on the list? Sorry, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm way off by this point in time. When we look at our workplace... How how is it different? How do you approach it different if you look at it as ministry versus mission? Well, I think it comes with that holistic understanding. I think you have to understand everything. I, I don't think there's anybody at all, even if they said my workplace is my mission field, that's all I'm focused on, because then the argument is, well, do they not focus on their family? Do they not focus on church? So it has to fit in with the greater picture. And mm. I think that's where we disagree is it's got to well, fit in really, the picture. Okay, but how does it fit in the picture for me? Because so, I agree with you that a, a as a man of God, both of our number one priorities is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Before absolutely. everything else, our number one ministry is to our brides. Because it's assumed that our brides are Christ followers because we're supposed to marry Christ followers. That's scriptural. That's our number one ministry and our number two priority. Number three priority would be our children. And it's also our number one mission field because our, our kids, they don't get born Christ followers. God doesn't have grandchildren. And then number four priority is our workplace. So keeping that in balance... Sure. Well, think about a think about a war. So our country is is quite familiar with wars. And if our commander in chief says, "Hey, we're going to go fight this war in this country," there's going to be a plan of attack, right? There's gonna well, be we would people, hope that's not be, always the case. Well, so, sometimes there should be. So there's going to be support personnel. There's going to be people that go go to that country, and then you've got you know special operations people that are you know para para flighting in or whatever. They're landing in parachutes and and doing really high cutting edge things, and saying that all the terminology is the same is kind of saying that a, a cook in uh, in Minnesota for the army base is the same as a special operations combat controller it just really doesn't make sense it's not a superiority thing in fact the higher the ranking military person that i've met the more humble they are actually so i'm not saying that foreign missions or going or whatever whatever you want to call that is better but i'm saying it's different because a combat controller might have a million dollars in training before they even, you know, jump out of a parachute, whereas a cook in the kitchen doesn't have the same training. It's not worse. It's just different. But I'm not but I'm not saying that for that we disagree on the word foreign missions. I agree foreign missions means you're not here. But what about local missions? Because there's a lot of people that are doing local mission work in 
inner city environments really and we live in pinellas county there's a there's inner city environments all over the county and obviously in st pete and tampa uh there there's mission work being done in places where obviously there's lots of people from foreign countries but also there's a lot of lost people who haven't heard the truth there is so what's happened over the past you know couple of decades if you will is that the church here in america was actually doing arguably a good job of staying and going then they stopped doing a good job of going, and they only did that local ministry. So a lot of parachurch organizations started up. I'm sure you're familiar with a bunch of them. There's a lot of great organizations. And they started using the word local ministry or local missions to kind of justify what they were doing. As that evolved, churches began to call foreign missions and local missions. Then, as we're moving into the 21st century, if you will, there kind of became, I don't know if it's ego or what it is, but people that were staying basically tried to redefine the vocabulary and say, you know what, just because I'm not going, I'm just as good, I'm just as committed, I'm doing the exact same thing, and so I'm going to call that missions. Well, there's nobody that would ever say that going to work in St. Pete is the same as going to Indonesia, because the work that's done there versus in even in the most dangerous place in inner city St. Pete is not the same as going to Haiti. It's not the same as going to Indonesia or Malaysia. I mean, there's so many different things. Hey, we've got a caller. Uh, Ted, are you there? Yeah, I am, Jim. Hey, welcome. Uh, Welcome back to the I Work Rim Show. Ted Haynes, my father-in-law, also spent time on the mission field. He's got a question or a comment. Go ahead, Ted. Well, my comment is, uh, and you were just kind of talking about it, but as you know, I had to raise support from my friends and churches and things like that that sent me to Venezuela with a denomination and I uh, I was considered a missionary my, my job was to do photography and train missionaries to make better slideshows and better uh, prepared to come home so that they could raise funds now I was a missionary there but I did not lead a single soul to Jesus Christ I came back to the States and worked for another five years for that mission organization. And then um, I went back into business as a portrait photographer. Uh, as you know, that I'm, I'm really strong with uh, Pocket Testament League. Uh, I'm, I'm not endorsed or underwritten by anybody other than them. And yet I, I've, I've had the privilege of, of being part of many, many uh, confessions of faith. And uh, people have come to Jesus Christ. Now, some of them have been Haitians. Some of them have been the people that work around here. Um, many of them were just friends and things that that uh, I met. Uh, so I, I, I think that my job as a missionary is really fulfilled in my backyard and not uh, when I was actually on the mission field. Well, and I, I mean, that's really what we're talking about. I think we're really, we're talking a lot about semantics. What we don't want to do is ever downplay how hard it was, how hard it is for people to leave and give up everything in this country that it has to offer and to go to a foreign place, whether it is foreign, there's a place in this country that are extremely foreign, but for the most part, to go to another country, they give up everything here except their rights yeah. as a citizen. And they go and they, they have to go and live in a culture where they're not from there it's it's a lot it, they truly i mean every missionary i know that did it as a lifetime pursuit 
They really give up everything. And I don't want to compare that to what the person goes in the workplace and has an opportunity to share their faith. And that's, that's the reality is going, whatever you want to call that. I, I don't really care if you call it missions or ministry or, or some other word that you make up, but whatever way you want to call it, going to that different ethnic group, it requires extreme effort to go. And it requires extreme effort to send. And I think that's the point that I'm trying to get across. So in your workplace, you're either going or you're sending. So if you're going to your workplace and you're helping send a missionary, or if you want to call a missionary, whatever, again, I don't really care what the definition is, but you have to pick something. And if you don't define it, it's hard to motivate people. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about the definition of missions, because if you don't Again, if you don't define it, then people aren't going to be motivated to actually go and support it. Well, I'm both you and my father-in-law have way more to speak about it than I. I know I've all ever gone on five-day trips to, to foreign countries. So you guys have both had to raise support. You had your folks raising it, Brian. Ted, you had to raise support to get into a foreign country. And you went to a country that is now completely closed to missionaries. Uh, and, well, and really, you did too, because Russia's really not open to missionaries anymore either. No. You know, it, was, yeah, it really wasn't even then back then. Well, it wasn't, but there was some leeway until... Putin took back over again. Uh, so, I mean, the truth is, is that it's really semantics in some way in that we're all called to go. We're all called to lead others to Christ, to tell, to, to teach them the things that he taught us. And, but some people have to make the ultimate sacrifice. Well, some people make the ultimate sacrifice with their lives, but some people give up all of their rights to quote unquote the American dream in order to do it and that's a big sacrifice and that's a little different than going and having your job and getting your salary and still getting to tell people of Christ well here's the thing if you say that your workplace is your mission field that's great the Bible says that the world is God's missions field so if you want to uh, say that your responsibility is here good I completely agree you should take responsibility locally but you still have to be focused on uh, or if you don't focus on the rest of the world that's where that's where I have a problem and I think God does too well and and, and that's a great we're going to follow up on that Ted any last comments well I, I just I just appreciate what you're saying and when you one of you said it was basically somatics it, it really doesn't that's what it is it doesn't matter to God if we're fulfilling the great commission that's where we are well here's the thing English the Bible wasn't written in English it was written in Greek so all the words <laughs> really? we're using I would I would argue and this is where I think we differ Jim is it's not semantics you have to pick a term to call it so if if you don't pick the term and stand ground on what that term means there's really no point you don't even have an argument quite well, frankly then, well but I'm not saying it's some I'm saying what I'm saying is semantics is that we are all called to go and make disciples of and every ethnic of, group. Of every ethnic group. And some people we get to help send do that. And some people, well, and sometimes we get that opportunity. We live in Florida. Not every ethnic group is here, but there's 50 or 60 ethnic groups here. I lived in Minnesota. There was another 50 or 60. They talked funny up there. But it, it is, we're all called to go. And that's what I meant with semantics. I'm not saying that semantics, you know, doing ministry work here versus there. Sure, go or send. Hey, hey Ted, thanks so much for calling in. I got to take you. a break. We're talking with local business owner Brian Slee, CEO of Reviora and the mangoapp.com. All right, Brian, we're talking workplace, ministry. We talked right before the break about as a business owner, you've got the opportunity to go and to send. So talk about how that works. How does that work? How can you do both? Well, it's a, it's a good, good question. So going, I do think, is actually 
traveling and in doing something foreign to make to make disciples of another ethnic group. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to do that. And uh, there's a lot of great organizations that do a really good job of placing you and your professional skill with a ethnic group that is actually going to make a long-term difference where you're not just, you know, doing something short-term to make yourself feel good or, or you know, having a, a vacation in Jamaica, but actually doing something that's going to sustain local church planning and uh, helping fulfill the Great Commission. But what about when you're, I mean, you, you work with customers all over the world. Why isn't that part of your going as well? I don't, I don't think that part is because that's just bringing in revenue. I mean, right, just to but call you have it what the it is. <laughs> but you have the opportunity to be Christ to those people and maybe have fantastic conversations with them and present the truth to them. The, the reality is we don't. In our, and again, I'd like to say we did, but that would be overinflating and any of my you know, employees listening would, would not agree with that. The reality is in my business, that just doesn't happen, right? Okay. I'd like to say it did, but it, it doesn't. You know, it's, it's kind of inanimate, a lot of distance, you know, big data centers, that kind of a thing. Okay. So in our, in our business, the two things is I try to focus on a local local uh, office and, and the, our people, the people interact, that we interact with. The other thing that we do in terms of actually supporting foreign missions, if mm-hmm. you will, foreign, is our India office. And I, I can't get into the details on the radio, but basically our full-time India office has a direct correlation to fulfilling the Great Commission. And that's very purposeful in our company. Right. And, that, and that's every Christian business owner has the opportunity to go into their workplace and be that life for Christ, but also to have, with the profits of that business, in Invest in sending others to do that business. And actually, I like it when they get involved in those ministries and give some of the skills that they've got into those ministries, because a lot of missionaries could use your business skills, your money skills. But let's talk to the last couple of questions. How can we as workplace believers challenge our churches to get back on mission instead of being focused mostly, mostly focused on ministry within the body? Well, if we define on mission as the Great Commission, at least just for a minute. Well, that's what Jesus would qualify That's what Jesus as. says. <laughs> then, uh, then they've got to understand the perspective. The reality today, and this is where I disagree with your comment earlier about there being just as big of a need in Minnesota. The reality is, statistically, if $100 are donated to a church, $10 goes to missions. That's, the reality of that is that 10% of that $10 goes across across the ocean to a different ethnic group. So $1 out of 100 today in North America is going to foreign missions. $99 is staying here. So I don't think there's a lot of basis for saying that there's just a big of a need here. There is a need, but that's what the church is called to do. Well, locally. I wasn't talking about a money need. I'm talking about a need for the gospel. Because because you know I uh, the churches in Minnesota the in outskirts Minnesota which is I know the same in South Dakota North Dakota Iowa Wisconsin they're just not they're not preaching the truth yeah, yeah. but so the so they're just they're why are they any different there than in a foreign country well again it's it's uh, think of that battle if you have a commander you know you're doing different things in a different country with different people so I would say the role of that person to be reached is equal there's no lesser of a, okay. of a salvation but that's the job of the local church. In Minnesota. That's what they are commanded to do locally in their Judea. So here in Florida, I, I would disagree and say we should be sending people to Minnesota. I think that's what Minnesota people should be doing. <laughs> so we, we, there's a pretty big you know ministry opportunity here in our area, our physical vicinity. So how does having the perspective that ministry happens within the body of Christ and the mission is to others outside the body of Christ change the way you look at your workplace really quick? Well, the, the body life takes care of each other, but I think it breaks down to going and sending. And I think going means going to another ethnic group. And if you are not called to go or you are and you're not going, 
it isn't necessarily inferior, but then I think your focus is on sending. And so you should be doing everything you possibly can to support those who are making the extreme effort to go. Well, and I really think that's the job of every Christ follower is to absolutely help send because there's all kinds of missionaries out there. And plenty of us, all of us have extra money that we waste on other things that can go to help support missionaries who have given up everything to go across the world to reach these unreached people groups, to reach the reached people groups and help them read so they can read the truth for themselves. There's so much money sitting here moldy that needs to get into the mission field around the world. But just don't call your your local ministry next door foreign missions because it kind of gyps actual foreign missions. You better be doing both. Doing both. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to have to have another show on really def- and take this another further. This is a good conversation. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Listen, I'm looking for a thousand people in Tampa Bay to take the I Work For Him Nation Challenge. I'd love for you to join the nation of people in Tampa Bay that are willing to make this commitment to start praying for their coworkers and employees each and every day by name to start looking for ways to befriend those coworkers and employees outside of the workplace. So you have an opportunity to be Jesus to those people. Start looking for ways to serve those coworkers and employees in your workplace and be ready to pray with people in the workplace when you see an opportunity, but all along being the best and brightest example of a person in your position, a person who seeks to do excellence in your position. If you want to be part of the I work for him nation, I'd love for you to go onto the I work for him website and click on contact us and let me know you want to be part of making a change in your workplace. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.